Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 63 in How It Works. We're going to be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, We are now at step three and ends, abandon ourselves utterly to him. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, um, the 12 Steps, Emily T., the 12 Traditions, Alice A., um, readers of the text, Vanessa G., our newcomer greeter is Reba P., and our second hour Hi, host just is get in. Henry it's Nancy M. P. Okay, um, if you'll be in touch with Leah, Nancy, thanks. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,981. That's 19981. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,982. That's 19982. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Emily T. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Emily T. in Chicago, um, recovering compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Emily T. And I'll now ask Alice A. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you. This is Alice A., grateful, recovered, compulsive eater in Alabama. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Alice A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book in the chapter, How It Works on page 63. We'll be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, we are now at step three and ends abandon ourselves utterly to him. And I'll now ask Vanessa G. to please begin reading. 
Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in New Mexico. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure that we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Thank you um, so much for the opportunity to um, share this morning. I am, and I'm actually saying that to my higher power because it just sort of happened that way. Um, I really, when I read those words, I almost want to take three minutes in silence just to think about them. But um, I want to tell you about my first experience with that prayer. Um, It was on a Friday afternoon at my office and and where I was working. And um, it was in a bathroom stall on my knees. And I wasn't there to purge. I wasn't there to get rid of a hangover. Um, I was there because the wreckage of my past had caught up with me. And um, and my sponsor um, had told me to to do that, you know. To you know, I had just gotten a new sponsor. She um, had just given me a few instructions, and um, I got on my knees and um, I expressed um, the sentiments of step three, and then went out to meet the wreckage of my past. And that night, I started on my fourth step. And I finished it on Saturday. I did my fifth on Sunday. Sunday evening, I did six, seven, sort of eight. And that's where I balked. And I told my sponsor, no, absolutely not. And um, she said if I didn't have the willingness to pray for the willingness and to um, remember that I promised at the beginning to go to any length. I agreed at the beginning. I don't remember agreeing, but I did at that point. And um, so I started praying. And Monday afternoon, I was in my director's office making a 10th step. And Tuesday morning when I walked in that office, I was transformed. I was a different person. Um, My fear um, was just gone. Um, You know, Bill W. talks about utter confidence. That's what I had. Um, you know, of course, it didn't stay without maintenance, but it was an amazing experience. Thank you, God. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bill W. and the 12 steps and everything that I've been given. And I'll pass. Um, thank you, Vanessa G. And um, it has been brought to my attention that we were supposed to meet the read the previous paragraph. So I'm going to back up and I'm going to read the, uh, yeah, it should be the first paragraph. And of course I've got these notes in my book, which sort of obliterates the actual paragraph itself, but 
I'm going to read that first paragraph and then I'll open that, open that up for sharing. And we will again hear the third step prayer tomorrow. So when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well established on such a footing we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. So my apologies again for that. Vanessa G., thank you for your service in the other paragraph. And I'm going to now open it um, to who would like to share this morning. Please remember that although we value your experience, we ask you to limit your share to every third day. Who would like to share? Arlen G. Larry K. Liz K. Liz. Melissa. Nancy P. Nancy. Amy G. Um, I think that was Amy G. Yes. Judith S. P. Okay. Oh, Rifka, thank you. NWH. Okay, Ken, I'm going to stop with you. Um, And I think I got everybody. So this is what I have. I have Harlan G., Larry K., Liz B, I think, Melissa C, Nancy P, Amy G, Judith S P, Rifka R, and Ken WH. So Harlan G, please go ahead and followed by Larry K. Thank you very much. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. In 1979, I came into this program on February 2nd. It was a freezing cold, miserable winter day. I was filthy dirty. I didn't practice my personal hygiene. I was writing bad checks. I lied when the truth would have served me better. I was lonely and alone. I had nothing but food. I had nothing but eating. And I wanted to die a lot more than I wanted to live. And a funny thing happened to me on the way to hell. I started working these 12 steps. And I started a journey that would take me to a place I never saw possible. This paragraph, these are the third step promises. When we sincerely took such a position, what position is it that we're taking? The position that says God is the director, he is the principal, we are his agents. I have a real estate license in the state of Arizona, and that means I have a fiduciary duty. That's a fun word to say, fiduciary. What does that mean? That means I have a duty by law to put the needs of the principal before my own because I am the agent. When I put God first instead of my needs, my wants, and my incessant desires, my mother used to say to me when I was a little kid, Azoigetis medu, that's Yiddish for it's always something with you. You always want something. And when I work these steps, he does provide what I need. If I keep 
close to God and perform his work well. When I am established on such a footing, I do become less and less interested in myself. I become less interested in my little plans and designs, and more and more I became, in, I became interested in seeing what I could contribute to life. I was never a contributor. I was a taker. I was never a truth teller. I was a liar. I was never a person that could dream dreams or aspire to goals. I was someone who thought I was just going to die. I have a life today that's worth living. The life in the food is a life unlived. I have a life worth living. Do I live in my dream house? No, far from it, but it's mine. I have a car. My bills are paid. I'm healthy. I just walked three miles. Before I came and sat down and listened to the meeting, I have a life that includes other people. I have a life that includes purpose and direction from God. And I have a life that includes other, other human beings. I have a life that is worth living. I never thought I could get there. And what was I asked to do? Something Herculean? No, far from it. All I was asked to do is work these steps and get out of myself and I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I really, truly do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan G. And Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Liz. Good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. So some great promises, and, you know, yet I, I have to acknowledge that the change of any kind is is hard. It's it's really hard. And if you want proof of that, you know, I was thinking, pick up a pen and uh, try writing in the opposite hand. You'll see some frustration with that. Change is not difficult because our inertia to resist change is something that I need to work with, not fight. If I'm going to cooperate with my higher power, to change my direction, to change my habits. And, you know, even with these promises, you know, when we feel utterly sure that a particular change will be good for us, I I think most of us acknowledge that. Say putting the food down, yeah, that's a good thing. Working the steps would be a good thing. Making space for a higher power. It's still, I find it incredibly hard to overcome you know, maybe the biological and the psychological status quo, right? It's, it's, it's just there. And sometimes it feels as if my mind is formed by a, a, an internal committee of different voices. And on the one hand, there's the hopeful voice, you know, that acknowledges the virtues of change. But there's other internal voices that may be skeptical and may be worn down or even actively resistant, you know. And so, so given my wish to, to keep safe from the unknown, uh, I resist change. You know, for, forget woke. How about stuck? <laughs> Can you relate to stuck? And so I procrastinate and I find other things to do and I tell myself I'll start tomorrow and I keep researching that how-to sort of deal and, and we try things half-heartedly without commitment and, you know, we drop our intentions at the first sign of difficulty and we start berating ourselves. That's the tough thing here. But how do I get unstuck? Well, the good news is that we can break this impasse, right? We can, we can break the impasse with some simple steps that are here. They're laid out in the book. And we often imagine that change should show a smooth kind of upward trajectory. But, but it's more of a zigzaggy thing at best. It's a process. 
and we can stop berating ourselves for this and instead make space for our higher power. And when I do that, then the changes begin to unfold. And that's what this paragraph is telling me. Make room, Larry, for your higher power. God is the potter. I'm the clay. Make room for him. And when we sincerely took that position, then all sorts of remarkable things follow. Only then the remarkable things began to unfold. That's a pretty cool deal. I'll take that deal. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Liz E., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Um, Thank you, everybody, for your service. My name is Liz E. for Elegant in the UK, uh, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you for hearing my voice. I really appreciate that. And for anybody who hasn't ever shared on this line, just do it. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've asked God to give me some words um, because I felt really very overwhelmed by the uh, gravity um, of this paragraph. But I know I need to speak up because I have to put daylight onto my words and um, I mustn't hide. So it says when. So that's up to me, isn't it? That's my willingness. Um, we sincerely, sincerely, I have to take this seriously. I have to do this with sincerity. Took such a position. For me, that's about me being humble um, and coming with open arms and open hands. If you've got open hands, that means that they're empty and you're able to receive. And I put my hands out to receive um, all sorts of remarkable things that will follow. I have a new employer. Today, that new employer is God. I'm not the best behaved um, employee. I'm on, you know, I've got performance issues. Um, and my appraisal says, Liz, you could do significantly better, but you're here. So he's pleased that I'm here, but lots of room for improvement. Um, and But I am here today and I'm showing up today to for my employer. And for me, what does that look like? That looks like um, talking about we. And by that, I mean when I'm doing things, when I'm thinking things, when I'm talking to people. It's about taking God with me. It's about God as my chaperone when I'm maybe going to meet somebody and it feels a little a little challenging, a little scary. It's talking to God. It's asking God for help. And this is, I have to keep close to him, note the capital, and perform his work well. And for me, his work is love and tolerance, that I have to do stuff that I don't really want to do. Like yesterday, somebody asked me for a lift home to their place and it was out of my way and I didn't really want to do it, but I did it. But I realized I was a bit ungraceful about doing it. So I need to improve on that Um, because this is not about my convenience. Um, I need to become less and less interested in myself. So that little example of the lift, giving them a self. I was thinking, oh, God, it's inconvenient, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, um, with that, I pass. Thanks a million. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thank you, Liz. 
E, and Melissa C, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and oh my gosh, I was I love this paragraph so much. I, I think there's so many pieces here. Um, you know, this is the paragraph that tells me that everything's gonna be just fine. Like it might not be what I want, but it's gonna be what I need and that's gonna be just fine. Um you know, it's also the paragraph that says like I'm gonna be i I'm gonna start to have a God consciousness, which, you know, is like I, I think that in of itself is just mind boggling that I start waking up and I start feeling like presence of God in my life, the awareness of God in my life, that it just, it doesn't happen magically at step 12, you know, having had this spiritual awakening. Step three, I'm starting to get woken up a little bit. And, you know, and what what started to wake me up was, um, what if all my plans and designs are wrong? Like, what if I'm just too selfish and too wrapped up in me and my perspective is just too narrow, too focused on Melissa. What if I've just been looking at life from a pair of broken glasses and everything that I think must happen actually is, is flawed and wrong? And um, and then I begin to trust God, and I stopped trying to arrange my life to suit me because it didn't work. You know, the experiment failed, and... You know, I, I turn to this one fact that I can't even I can't even determine how much food to take in for this body, what makes me think I should be in charge. So I have this new employer, this new boss, and I'm fired, you know, and, and he's my boss. And um and if I stay really close to this boss, if I stay close to God, you know, and for me that means I seek him. Yeah, I pray, I meditate, I follow the steps because I'm told that's how I'm going to get close to God. And I perform his work well. And, you know, when I'm not sure what God wants me to do, most of the time it's not so much about my little plans and designs, but it's more about how I can contribute. What can I do for other people? So when given the choice between point A and point B, usually my family who has needs, those are the ones that I think, mm, God's assigning me this role. And when I do those things for, you know, my family and others around me, I contribute to life and I get more power flow in and my mind feels at ease and I can face life successfully. And we call that a rebirth. And that's just a beautiful thing. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C., And we are on page 63 this morning in how it works on the first paragraph that begins when we sincerely took a position and ends, we were reborn. So Nancy P, you're up, followed by Amy G. Hi, good morning, Lisa. Um, uh, Thank you for letting me share. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So I was always sincere, but secretly I had my fingers crossed behind my back. And I thought no one would know. Like I thought I wouldn't know if my fingers were crossed behind my back or no one else would know. And what I needed to be sincere about was the position of surrender. 
I surrendered and I awoke spiritually. No more finger crossing behind my back. And I'm not really into the new employer part because I'm agnostic, but I'm more about embracing my powerlessness and letting the breeze of surrender take me where it will. Um, so I got what I needed if, and if means promise, consequence, or threat, I kept close in steps 10 and 11 and, and, and perform the work well in step 12. I have to do both. And I have to do them both 100%. And if I don't, I get nothing. And it says in the doctor's opinion that we solve our problems on a spiritual as plane as well as the altruistic plane. It makes no mention of the food plane. And spiritual for me is to keep close, to surrender. And performing the work well is to carry the message and practice the principles. So I have my spiritual life, which is robust and healthy. But in order to keep it that way, I have to give it away hand over fist as fast as I can. And I can surrender all the plans and designs. They no longer hold me prisoner. So, you know, as a free woman, I remember when I first recovered, I felt great and I wanted more, as usual. Then the answer for me ended up <clears throat> being was to engage in fellowship. And I wanted to contribute more to my life in these rooms and also more to my life in my community and with my family. In other words, I became less self-centered. And I continue to face life successfully, and I would say especially when I get knocked down, which does happen. And all these promises have come true for me, all of them, without exception. I've begun to lose my fear, the evil and corroding thread. I'm not done with fear yet. It still comes up to bite me, but I'm, I've begun to lose my fear. And I always think about when my son, when my first child, my son was born, I said to my husband, he sleeps all the time. And my husband agreed. He said, yeah, being born is hard work. So for me, I had the opposite experience to being born. I woke up. And today, I comprehend the word serenity and I know peace. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And we're going to come back to Amy G. So Judith S.P., are you available to share, followed by Rifka R.? Hi, Lisa. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Thank you so much for your service, for everyone being here, and all the shares that I have taken in thus far. Um, I felt a nudge, as often I hear from others, to share today. Uh, thank you, God, for uh, giving me this opportunity. Uh, the whole paragraph is is just... So life-enhancing. Uh, I could zero in on any word um, and take off to the races, so to speak. But I'm going to focus briefly on We Were Reborn. And uh, I often, I'd say regularly, feel such humble gratitude for we. We, Judith, you're never alone. God is with you, fellows are with you, and life is in you and with you. Um, I was born almost mm, three quarters, no, over three quarters of a century ago. Thank you, God. I don't, I, I don't know what it's supposed to feel like, but it feels wonderful. It feels miraculous. I feel like I just came out. Um, I was born and lived most of my formative years with cotton in my ears, my mind racing like I was in a New York um, marathon. 
I have never done it. Um, and uh, the, o- the only parts of my body that really were active was my mouth, both with food and with word, not very nice most of the time, and my eyes, because when I'd see, I'd want. I'd see, I want, I'd get, I'd take, I'd eat, I'd say, leave me alone, whatever. Um, And when I was 29, after spending several years wanting not to be here anymore, I was reborn by the grace of being offered the opportunity of going to a psychiatric um, facility um, where I felt reborn when I came out of those several years of treatment. And when I came in these rooms, that was my third rebirth. And rebirth is regenerating, holding and being in life. And for newcomers, for people struggling, the power and the grace of being in God's light and love has transformed my life in small ways day by day. And I am committed to staying in these rooms, in my recovery, but most importantly, staying close to God for direction and guidance and service to others in his name. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judith S.P. And Rifka R., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Rivka R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Baltimore. Um, I wanted to just mention something about uh, the, we read at the, la- the end of the last paragraph about this new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom because I heard something yesterday that just was just so profound um, about freedom. And that's that freedom means the ability to serve God. And I thought, Yes, that's what the 12 steps, abstinence, restoration to sanity is all about. It means I'm restored to the ability to serve God. I'm free to serve God. I'm not free to serve God when I'm face down in the food and food is all I can think about. I'm not free to serve God when my thoughts are all about resentment and blame. I'm not free when I can't appreciate all the goodness in my life. And why do I want to be free? You know, I used to want to be free so I could be thin and feel like a valid human being. I remember when I went uh, on one of those crazy weight loss schemes because this time come however high water I was going to do it, and I got shots every morning of HCG, which is a hormone from the urine of pregnant horses. And somehow by the skin of my teeth, I stayed on a 500-calorie diet, obsessing about food every second. And I did lose the weight, and I kept it off for a week. And I remember for a few minutes how free I felt standing at you know, in an ice cream store, buying an ice cream and not being filled with shame that others were judging me and thinking, well, why is that fat girl buying an ice cream? And even in program, I kept relaxing because I, I, I didn't get what freedom was for. So, so this time I said, I don't care if I don't lose another pound. I can't live my life completely obsessed with food anymore. So I did lose the weight. That's just the consequence of abstinence, but it's not the goal. The goal today is that I have gained the ability to serve God and the ability to trust and rely on my higher power. And then all sorts of remarkable things follow. 
and why does God want me to serve him anyway? Like, does he have an ego problem? But no, he wants me to stay close to him and serve him for my benefit. So I just wanted to share like a little miracle story that happened this morning. Um, My husband over the last few months has started to snore. And it's like it's super annoying. And it's waking me up all through the night. I'm not happy camper in the the morning when, you know, my sleep's disturbed. And, you know, I can't get, it's hard to get back to sleep. Sorry, I've got something in my throat. Um, So last night, again, 3.30 in the morning, it it, it starts. and, and, And I lay there and for the first time, I thought, God, if you want him to stop snoring, he'll stop. And if you want him to get back to sleep, I'm sorry, if you want me to get back to sleep, I'll get back to sleep. And in three seconds, he stopped snoring. It didn't snore the rest of the night. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, God is good. This is just amazing. So, anyway, have a great day, everyone. And I pass. Thank you, Rifka R. And Ken W.H., you're up, followed by Amy G. Thank you. Uh, the, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Ken W.H., a recovered compulsive reader from North Carolina. Um, I went to a lot of meetings uh, for quite a while that, that we would end the meeting holding hands, and we'd always say at the end, it works if you work it and you give a lot of love and service and don't pick up. Uh, and then we read those promises and we'd say, um, they will always materialize if we work for them, and uh, there would be this chorus of work, work, work after that. And I always felt awkward with that. I wanted to shout out what another beloved member of our program says, surrender, surrender, surrender. That's the first thing, and that's what needs to happen for me. Uh, Surrender, surrender, surrender. This is all gift. I am alive and on this line today by pure gift. It's been given to me. uh, It's been made available to absolutely everybody. This gift of the 12 steps has been made available to everybody. Uh, God isn't picking out who gets it and who doesn't. Uh, It's there. It's pure gift for me. And it is unbelievably uh, powerful for me to think in those terms that that then the rest of my life, the rest of my recovery is all response, response to a gift, the gift of life and um, an opportunity to to go in a whole nother direction in my life. Um, I believe today that there's just no way in the world I can walk away from this. My life has been changed absolutely and fundamentally because of this gift that I have received. Uh, It's poured out on me. Uh, Even if I chose to go another way, my life would never be the same as it once was. This, This program is in me. This recovery is in me because it was put into me. God said to me one day, Ken, as he picked me up by the by the, as God picked me up by the nape of the neck like a mother cat and said, "You're coming with me, you're coming with me, and now that you're with me, by the way, I'm going to give you power to do things you couldn't have imagined on your own. There's no condition to this. you don't have to do these things, Ken. you don't have to do them to get them. 
I'm giving them to you. And so the rest of my life now becomes this response to grace, if you will. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know why I got it. And it doesn't matter <laughs> how I think in terms of where it came from. I have my my sense of uh, of who this this power is and where this power comes from, but it can be different for you. But the point is, it's there and it's gift. We have all been gifted, and therefore these promises are real. And I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Ken W H and Amy G. Please share with us. Hi, this is Amy G, recovered compulsive eater in Maryland. Thanks so much for helping me out there. Uh, wow, seriously powerful shares. Uh, just so grateful to be a part of this wonderful program. Um, if we kept close to him and performed his work well. You know, I, I love how Bill says, you know, little plans and designs. And, and I don't know about you all, but I had no idea what true life was like until I worked these 12 steps. My little plans and designs, my selfish and self-centered living, it was a self-absorption world of me, myself, and I. And, of course, it didn't work. And in the devastation of compulsive eating and bulimia and all the other things that this disease does to us, ravages us emotionally, physically, and spiritually, it was a terrible way to live my life. I had no idea. And, I, I mean, I never in my wildest imagining did I ever think that I would have a job to do, that, that I would have a purpose, you know, that I could have an impact by being a messenger. If I'm performing my higher power, my God's work of carrying the message, that's, a, that's the work, right, of carrying the message to the still-suffering compulsive eater. Never did I dream that I could actually, I could actually have a purpose, that I could actually have an impact. It reminds me so much of what it says in the chapter, Working with Others, in the second paragraph, life will take on new meaning, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. You know, we know you will not miss, want to miss it. Frequent contact with, not, with newcomers is the bright spot of our lives. My life opened up to success. But not success in the way that I used to see it as power, prop, you know, prestige, you know, money and all those things. My peace of mind, my success in life came from doing my God's work. And that's what I do every day. That is my purpose. And it's not that I'm doing anything. I'm just a vehicle for these 12 steps. I'm a vehicle for what I believe my higher power wants me to do. And when I do that, the promise a peace of mind comes to my life. I mean, how many times have you picked up a phone and talked to someone who's struggling and hang up the phone and feel better? Nothing happened. Nothing changed in my life. The beauty of service is that, you know, I started because I had to do it because I knew it ensured immunity from my eating. And then I did it because I wanted to give back what was so gratefully given to me. And now I do it because I want both of those things, but I also want to continue to have that purpose and peace of mind. These are incredible promises for this wonderful program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And we are on page 63, the first paragraph that begins, when we sincerely took such a position and ends, we were reborn. And I think we have time for about three or four more shares. Who else would like to share? 
Barbara E. from New Barbara. Jersey. Heidi Jim. from New York. Heidi. Jim F. Jim. One more. Carmela G. Carmela. Cheryl. Okay, let's stop there. Um, I have, and you'll have to remind me of your uh, first initial of your last name. Barbara E. I have Heidi, Jim, and Carmela. So, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Heidi. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. I do hope I'm unmuted. Please let me know if I'm not. I love this book. I love listening to you. I find so much more when I listen more and talk less. And I have been in overeaters now for over two decades. That's hard for me to even comprehend. And my attitude towards many things have changed over time. When I first came into OA, I came in to lose weight. Therefore, this so-called physical part of the program was the most important. But after many years of living in recovery, one day at a time, my perspective and my priorities have changed. I know of no one who says, I feel good. I think I'll join OA today. I was desperate. I was sure I was dying. But I met a little woman on the way in, and she said, don't worry about the past, Barbara. Don't worry about the future. Just live in the today. That's why they call it a present. And one of the saddest days of my life was when I reached my goal weight and realized that nothing had changed except my weight. I was still the same person I'd always been, feeling mad and always feeling some something to justify how I felt and why it was your fault. So progress for me was neither swift nor easy. But now after all these years, I no longer justify or judge others. I'm living gratefully and humbly living this program of surrendering, yes, surrendering, and accepting my powerlessness. I'm an agnostic, even though I was born into a religion. I know of no knowledge of God, but I do know one thing for sure. I'm not God. And I kind of think of God as an umbrella that is carrying me through the day. So that I think less of me and I and more of you. And I love to come to -to face-to-face meetings with reality each day. And in my nightly review with my higher power beside me, it helps to look at what I did well and what I could improve on. And tomorrow, and I accept I will do it imperfectly because I think perfectionism for me is a defect. I just strive each day to be better than I was yesterday. And I will make mistakes, but I can guarantee I'm teachable. So I, so I start with a clean slate in the morning, and, it, and which will get written on during the day in the form of the 10 steps that I feel I must make. As I make mistakes, I know I'm not a mistake. When I first read the big book, it struck me that nowhere does it talk about physical recovery except as a result of my higher powers intervention. Thank you, everyone. 
I will continue to listen. And thank you for the service you do me every single day. Barbara E. signing off. Thank you, Barbara E. And Heidi, if you will remind me of your first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Jim. Hi, it's Heidi B. from New York. Um, Thanks so much for letting me share. What I um, wanted to zero in on is um, where it says he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. When I was taken through the steps, my sponsor had me read in the first person from the bottom of 60 to the uh, top of 63 through this, the end of this paragraph. And, um, and I, in the first person and present tense, and I, I loved doing that. And I, um, I got so much out of it, but this one paragraph really bothered me and specifically that sentence. It just, I just couldn't get past the, he provided what we need needed if, we kept close to him and performed his work well. And I just kept saying um, to myself that, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't rely on a higher power that, um, that had, you know, conditional love and support. And, um, and I, you know, I spoke to many um, people about it and, you know, reached out and such. And one person said to me, well, I just don't really uh, worry about it. And, um, and that helped me just sort of keep moving. Um, and what I've come to understand since then is without putting the emphasis on if, putting the emphasis on I, because I was reading it in the first person, if I kept close to him, um, and realizing that it wasn't that my higher power, you know, wouldn't um, provide for me, but that I needed to let him and I needed to keep close to him. And you know, I've heard I've heard um, some of our beloved fellows. Uh, one one of them says, you know, God is a gentleman, and you know, it just it helps me realize that you know, God is not going to push His way into my life. I have to seek Him. Um, and so I'm just you know, I'm grateful for that lesson and and the reminder all the time that it is up to me to seek a relationship with God. Um, and with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi B. And Jim, you're, I think you'll be our last chair today. Carmela G., hang on. Um, Jim, if you'll remind us of the first initial of your last name, please. Jim, star one, we can't hear you. Okay, sorry about that. This is Jim F., like football from Illinois. Um, the, the few words that stuck out to me were he and him and his. Um, the, the and, you know, them being capitalized also uh, for me, uh, those words kind of stand out. Um, I've been in OA for about two years. In that two years, I've only had like three months, most at a time, abstinent but I keep coming back. Um, I currently have 30 days. I've listened most days. I think for about two years on this line, this might be like, uh, I think I can count the number of times I've talked on this, on my one hand, but um, I, I think it's been good for me to listen. Um, it's my third fellowship. Uh, uh, 
in 18 years, so I'm not new to the 12 steps, but I just wanted to talk about this paragraph and these words. Um, you know, if there's anyone else on the line, if you're maybe newer and higher power is tricky for you, you know, and if he, him, and his twice with capitalized, you know, maybe bugs you a little bit or turns you off a little bit, you, you know, I don't think you're alone. Um, it's taken me a really long time to be comfortable with that. And, and um, you know, the book says it's a God of our understanding, and it really means it. They're not fooling you. <laughs> I've, I've thought you people are trying to fool me for all these years, and you just want to convert me. But, um, you know, and I, what I've real, it's taken me a long time, but I finally have realized that if I'm struggling with two and three, um, it's, it's probably not about two and three. It's about one. You know, have I truly surrendered? Do I really want to hand over my food and, you know, my life to my higher power? Um, and I, and probably the answer is no. In, in other programs and in this program, if I ever struggle with two and three, maybe especially two, oh, I don't understand it. If I had their God, it would be better. I, I really think it's just kind of I've been lying to myself all these years. I'm happy to say I think um, I think I'm there and um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with your God. I'm good with my God. Um, it, it, and, um, it's okay. I, and I think that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you, Jim F. And we might have one minute, Carmela, if you want one minute. I'll take it and take us out. Carmela G. gratefully recovered in New York. And this paragraph reminds me of when I entered my seventh decade of life and I called one of the boys that I raised, he's my great nephew, and I said, the night before I turned 70, I said, I'm so excited. And he patiently said, and what are you excited about now? And I said, I'm no longer in charge of the world. It's the first decade because of this program that I realize I'm not responsible for everything and everyone. I have a God who's loving and kind, and all I need to do is follow his directions. And with that, I pass because life goes on and we will all have him taking care of us if we surrender. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmela G., and thank you to everyone um, who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, February 22nd, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 19,988. That's 19988. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Nancy P., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, excuse me. Yes, I will. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Uh, Sorry, cat hair. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.